from the Thai Cats Audio Network. This is Thai Cats Today with Louie B. Yes, it is. Thai Cats Today for a Monday, May the 2nd, 2022. And it's a very special edition of Thai Cats Today. There's our pre draft show. As we're taking a look at tomorrow's draft, we'll highlight some of the guys who are available. We will be talking with the CFL on TSN's Dave Naylor. And later on, we'll hear from Dwayne Ford and Marshall Ferguson, also from the CFL on TSN, as they held a, a national media call today. And I got a chance to ask them a couple of questions, so we'll play their responses for you coming up here on today's show. A special edition of the show, special week here on the Ticats Audio Network as we're bringing you draft coverage throughout the week. We'll have a special draft night show tomorrow Andy Fantuz, Courtney Steven, and Rob Hitchcock will be along with me as we host from Tim Hortons Field. We'll have a special guest stopping by. We'll get insights and analysis from people in the front office and the draftees themselves. And then throughout the week, we'll be talking draft on the Ticats Audio Network. So make sure you like and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Speaking of Hitch, she's got a brand new episode of Morialli and Hitch. That just dropped today. So wherever you found this show, you can find that one. A very cool episode, very fun episode, as it was Darren Flutie. Hall of Famer joining the boys, and it's a great conversation. Encourage you to check it out on the Ticats Audio Network. You can check the video. It's up on YouTube or at Ticats.ca as well. The draft. It's tomorrow. We know that. We're pumped for it. And you know, there's a misconception that the CFL draft doesn't have the gravitas that the NFL draft has. And and yes, I get it comparing apples to oranges kind of here, but the CFL draft is so important when it comes to building out your roster. How important? Well, I'll let you know that the Ticats roster heading into training camp, they have 24 players who were selected in the draft, including 19 that were selected by the Ticats. The draft is so immensely important when it comes to building your roster. And I, I didn't know that. And our, our, our great friend Jacob, who had his last day here on Friday, put together an amazing stats package for us. And um, when I saw that number, I was shocked. 19 players on the Ticats roster uh, were selected in the draft by them, including six in the first round. Mason Bennett, Jake Burt, Nick Cross, Jesse Gibbon, Brandon Revenberg, and Coulter Woodmancy, all first-round pick of the Ticats who are now on the roster. So CFL draft, immensely important when it comes to building your roster, when you talk about the ratio and all that stuff. It doesn't have the same gravitas as the, the NFL draft. That's fair, I guess, but it is still such a hugely important day on the calendar for the Ticats and the CFL and for these players who are going to be hearing their names called. And I've been fortunate enough to be at this job now. It's my third year with the Ticats. And the last two, 2020 and 2021, we held a, a virtual draft night party. And I, I was very lucky to get to be the first interview that players did after get, they get drafted. And it's special. It is such a special experience for, for these guys who hear their names called, who have put in the work. And, and that validation of being selected by a professional football team, 
Uh, it's hard to put into words for these guys, and I appreciate those who do uh, when they talk to me. And, and believe me, you'll be able to hear all the Ticats draft picks throughout the week here on the Ticats Audio Network. All right, very pleased now to be joined by a man who knows this draft, the NFL draft. He, he knows this football. He's the football insider for TSN, including the CFL on TSN. It's Dave Naylor. And uh, Dave, uh, you're a very busy man between the NFL draft this weekend, the CFL draft. Uh, you probably only have about a you know 30-minute window to talk to me. I won't keep you that long, but thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. On the subject of the NFL draft, let's start there. How important is that relationship between the NFL draft, the CFL draft? It feels like they're almost symbiotic at this point. Uh, uh, there really is. And, and I think this has become more and more of a thing over the, over the last few years is we just see Canada is, is scouted so much more closely than it was before. I think technology is a big part of it. I mean, you think about it. And we used to talk about years ago how NFL scouts weren't allowed to go to the CFL combine. Well, now they don't have to. They just click, right? And they can watch it. They can go online. They can look at all the results. And you've also got, you know, a lot more Canadian kids that are you know, aggressively pursuing getting to the National Football League. Sometimes, you know, since they were adolescents, that's their goal. And so you're seeing you're, there's a lot more kind of uh, for CFL teams, it's not just the process of identifying the best Canadian players. It's then weighing that against the attention they get in the National Football League, whether that's a draft, whether that's a priority free agent, whether that's a mini camp invite. And I mean, I was thinking about this the other day. We probably don't talk about this enough. You know, when, when in the 1970s, when I was a kid a long time ago and, you know, every good Canadian football player was in the CFL, every single one. I mean, I, I believe in the in the late 70s. The kicker for the Steelers, Roy Gorella, you know, had gone to high school in Alberta for a bit. Like that, that was it. That was the Canadian content in the National Football League. If you wanted to see Canadian football players, they were in the CFL. And now, you know, we have an ever-growing contingent of guys who are, are going to the National Football League. Three more Canadians drafted this year, four last year. You know, that's and everybody I talk to says, you know. There's more on the way. This pipeline isn't going to slow. So we're producing better players, but we're losing more of them to the NFL. And that's made the, the job of CFL teams ever trickier. Uh, Trey Ford is one of those players with a minicamp invite uh, to the Baltimore Ravens. Didn't go drafted, though. How do you feel teams look at that in the CFL? Does that change the way they might have them on the draft or might have him specifically on the draft board, maybe higher or lower with that minicamp invite being undrafted? How do you see that playing uh, into, into Tuesday? I don't see it playing in a lot, and, and here's why. I just think that it is an absolute mountain to climb, you know, to go from being a U-sport quarterback to a National Football League quarterback. And I, and I know what Trey Ford has done. I certainly know his, his measurables, his physical abilities. I've watched him throw the ball. Uh, he's got a lot of ability. But, but you have to just look at yourself and say, how many guys that are drafted beyond the fourth round as, a, as an NFL quarterback ever start a game? You know, there's not that many, right? It's it's really become an elite players kind of position that you want to get guys at the top of the draft, and those are the guys that get the opportunity. So, yeah, you know, I, I think there's two questions: Could Trey Ford play quarterback in the NFL? And two, what would have to happen for him to get the opportunity to do that? And yeah, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that it's Baltimore that signed him, right? We know the most athletic quarterback in the NFL is Lamar Jackson. We know that quarterbacks at the bottom of the depth chart often run scout team, you know, for the defense so that they basically, you know, Trey Ford's role on the Ravens might be imitating Lamar Jackson during practice for the defense, right? And that's not, that's not a knock on him. That's just what a lot of players do 
you know, when they get onto the bottom of the depth charges, they're playing scout team and essentially, you know, helping their team prepare for games. So uh, I, look, I, I think CFL teams think he may be, he may get into a camp this summer and obviously Baltimore's camp. If he, if he gets an opportunity there, uh, I think they're, they're prepared to wait on him, but I think ultimately they think that he's going to come back and I, I think he'll get a good opportunity to, to pursue quarterback in the end, in the CFL. I mean, there's, there's always that, possibility right that a guy gets moved to another position brad sinopoli probably the best example we've seen recently um you know you look at brad sinopoli's career it's hard to say that was a, a mistake <laughs> turned, in, turned into a pretty good receiver yeah. uh you know and got beat out for the number three job in quarter at quarterback in calgary by bo levi mitchell hard to say that was a mistake you know so so I, I don't always see a guy getting moved to another position necessarily as a hmm. negative or something that should never have happened. I, I think in Brad Sinopoli's case, you could probably look at it and say it was maybe the right call. Certainly yeah. wasn't a bad call. But I, I think, you know, when I talk to teams, not all of them, but most of them that I've talked to believe Trey Ford can play quarterback in the CFL and think he should get an opportunity to do so. But I don't think his status as a mini camp invite with Baltimore is going to greatly affect you know, what CFL teams do in the next uh, couple of days here. The one common theme I've heard uh, coaches and GMs say in the last couple of weeks is we're going with the best player available. I know it was, uh, you know, it was Saskatchewan. They, mm. they don't feel like they have very many holes. I know the Ticats feel like they don't have very many holes on their depth charts. Is that, is that a fair assessment across the league? People are just looking for the best player right now in the CFL draft. And who do you think some of those players are that could make an immediate impact? Well, I think they're in this draft, I think teams, most often draft for who do we think the best player is going to be two to three years from now? Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's, I think that's the common sort of refrain, right? Because people understand that whether you're taking a kid out of this, out of the U sport or even out of the higher levels of the NCAA, there's still a big gap here. Right? And it's, it's with a few exceptions, it is generally not a draft like the NFL draft where, you know, the first round is spent plugging holes for next season. You know, you, you're taking the first round of the NFL draft, you know, you're, you're expected to play a role that season with, with some very rare exceptions in the CFL draft. Not so much. I mean, there was a year, I guess it was back in 08, you know, Calgary took two offensive linemen in the draft that started for them and they won the great cup, right? That that's unusual that, 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 that would happen that way more often. In, and I think if you look at this year's draft, there's, there's probably not that many pro ready players. If you, if you, you know, overall compared to even some others, I mean, you know, I think Terrell Richards, I think a lot of people expect him to be the number one player, you know, a guy who's played at a high level, you know, at Syracuse University, had a good pro day, you know, he's physically mature, you know, there's maybe a guy people look at that could have an impact right away. Um, I would say, you know, somebody like Deontay Knight, again, you know, a guy who doesn't test that well, but plays very well. He was the Metris Trophy winner, top offensive lineman. Uh, and, uh, as a defensive lineman coming out of, of Western, of course, he's going to get a mini camp with the Washington uh, commanders. Uh, Noah Zare, I guess a guy who, you know, a, a Saskatchewan offensive lineman, just based on his size and physical maturity, you know, 300 pound guy, uh, you know, probably be more ready to play than some. And then I think there are some guys you look at and, and we're not really sure about, but we know they have kind of some of the tools to play. How quickly could they mature and be ready to be part of an offense? And I'm talking about, you know, the Philpot twins, looking at mm -hmm. the two guys there that you can, you know, you can watch what they bring physically. They're dynamic players, but how quickly can they, can they adjust to the game? And, and th those are the guys I think that maybe you look at and say, you know, if we take them, they can have some impact right now, but it, it doesn't strike me as a draft, you know, that there's a lot of plug and play players. And I would be surprised if teams are, 
you know, planning around that beyond, you know, the, the, some of the names I mentioned there. Yeah. Uh, it is the national draft on Tuesday. It's also the global draft happening a little bit earlier right. at noon tomorrow. Um, and this was all part of Randy Ambrosi's CFL 2.0 uh, back in the day. Uh, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, this is the fourth uh, version of the global draft. Uh, the Ticats have five players classified as globals before tomorrow heading into training camp. Uh, would you consider CFL 2.0 a, a success at this point, a work in progress? Does it have some ways to go? Or what do you make of, of the global draft and, and bigger picture CFL 2.0? So you got me challenged. I'm trying to remember whether there was a global draft in 2020. <laughs> yes. I'm saying, I'm, I'm seeming to think there was, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> there, was, <laughs> I know. There, there was in 19. Yeah. There was in 21. Uh, and there's going to be this year. So it, it may be the fourth year, but the third draft, yes. I, I, that, that would, I, I think that's correct. I don't, I, I don't <laughs> believe there was a global draft in 2020, but you know what? Hey, I could be wrong. Uh, 2020 is a bit of a blur for all of us. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, the, the CFL 2.0 strategy, uh, I think from the beginning was always seen as a work in progress. I think it was seen something that nobody really knew what it was going to bring. Uh, it was going to kind of try to reach out to the CFL reaching out to, to try to recognize the growth of football around the, the globe, frankly, and try to take advantage of that. And, and where that leads, whether that means that people in other countries are going to watch the CFL at some point or whether there's sponsorship opportunities or who knows what. I, I don't, I've never heard a conversation with someone about this where someone said, well, this is exactly how this is going to go, you know, once we get these global players in the league. So uh, I would say, and then you throw the pandemic on top. Right. Yeah. Which, which, you know, last year there were supposed to be two players, a team. Now then, then there was, then it was one because of that. Uh, you, you, even in the, the very first global draft, they really, I mean, I was talking to people at the time, they were not getting access to the best players in Europe, best players elsewhere in the world. I mean, they were, they were, they were kind of a tear down. I, I just had many people I talked to that said, you know, the guys, the CFL got for that first draft are not, and, and it's not necessarily the CFL's fault. A lot of at that time, a lot of the clubs in Europe didn't want to make their players available. So that, that was sort of something that had to be bridged. So overall, I, I, I would say it is, um, it's interesting. It's a curiosity. I'm still not sure I understand how you monetize this, like how ultimately the league, you know, benefits from this other than, you know, kind of having a, a more diverse and dynamic player pool. Uh, it would be, you know, we've seen theatric Hansen, probably the most impactful player with Winnipeg defensive linemen played a lot of meaningful downs, made some plays, you know, two-time great cup champion as well. Uh, but I, I would be among those in the media whose judgment on uh, 2.0 and the global player draft, et cetera, is still uh, to be reserved. Dave, thanks so much for doing this. I know you probably have about 20 minutes uh, between the NFL draft and CFL draft. So thank you. I really do appreciate it. I, somewhere between the draft and mini camps, we'll get a CBA done too, right? So it's going to be a busy couple of weeks here. All right. My thanks to Dave Naylor for giving me a couple minutes today to chat CFL draft. And we talked about it there. It's not just the national draft happening. No, the global draft will be going down tomorrow at 12 o'clock live on CFL.ca to follow along on that one. And 8 o'clock is when the CFL kicks off their national draft. And we're looking forward to some great coverage here on the Ticats Audio Network. But, of course, you can catch the first couple of rounds. The first two rounds will be held on TSN and RDS starting at 8 o'clock. Rounds 3 through 8 can be seen live on tsn.ca and the TSN app. And two men who will be part of the coverage are Dwayne Ford and Marshall Ferguson. 
and we were able to catch up with them a little bit earlier today. And I want to start here with Dwayne as I, I wanted to know big picture. Of course, Dwayne was a first-round pick back in 1991 out of the University of Western. But I wanted to go big picture with Dwayne and whether there was any trends he noticed in the class of 2022, what he thinks the big story is going to be come Wednesday post-draft, what does he think we're going to be talking about? Here's what he said. Yeah, I think one of the things that stands out to me, and this has been sort of an, an ongoing theme to me, and I think will be a theme going forward in the draft, Louis, and when we talk about Canadian talent, is where, you know, in the past, the, the Canadian draft has been so much about about offensive line, right? Like you even think as recently as 2018 and like seven out of nine first round picks were O-linemen. And I, I've used the quote before that, um, you know, I remember Mike Benavides was when he was with us at TSN and did the draft show with me. And, and he made the comment that, you know, the offensive linemen are to our draft, what quarterbacks are to the NFL draft, right? They're the big deal. That's what everybody's positioning themselves to get. But I think that the trend and it shows in, in this draft and has started to show in the last couple of years is that you are seeing an increasing number of Canadian players at all positions who are capable of, of playing at any level. And so, you know, we're not as locked into this, this mindset that the Canadians who are going to be starters in the Canadian football league are offensive linemen. And that's why we need to draft those guys high. There are guys who are capable of winning starting positions at, at any position. And so as an example, like, you know, one of the stronger position groups in this draft is the defensive backs. Historically, DB has been the position least played by Canadians in the CFL, where offensive line has been the most played, you know, offensive line, not a particularly strong position group in this draft. And so it's, it's kind of neat to see that you're seeing very good Canadians coming from schools on both sides of the border, by the way, it's not just a matter of the guys who are at NCAA schools. Like, I mean, that's where, where you get a bit of a reflection of what's going on, but you are, you're seeing guys at, at skill positions and at literally every position who can be starters in the CFL. And it changes the way that, that the draft will go, that it will not be as O-line heavy early on. That is the CFL on TSN's Dwayne Ford, as he spoke to the assembled media for a pre-draft call hosted by the CFL. He'll be part of CFL on TSN's coverage of the draft tomorrow night, and he will be joined by his fellow CFL on TSN teammate, Marshall Ferguson, my former teammate at TSN 1150 Hamilton. And for Marshall, I thought I'd go a little bit more specific. I wanted his thoughts on what he thinks the Ticats are going to do with the eighth overall pick in the draft, and here's what he had to say. Yeah, I think a lot of the teams in the past couple of years have looked towards futures just because it made sense knowing that there were guys that were going through these strange evolutions of their university careers, whether they were going back and going to be, uh, you know, transitioning, going into the transfer portal, if they were going to get an extra year of eligibility and decide they wanted to come back and play in Canadian university, like whatever that might've been. But um, for me, I think it makes a lot of sense for a team like Hamilton that is so close, that has been so close to take somebody that they can use sooner rather than later. And you know this, Louis, from when you and I were post covering the Ticats, it's like every single year, I feel like I mock a defensive lineman to replace Ted Laurent within the next five years. And every single year, Ted Laurent just keeps playing and keeps producing it. I'm like, at some point, that kind of has to change. And to Dwayne's point, the defensive line, I think, 
has done such a great job in recent years of giving us a variety of body body types. So whether it's a, an undersized pass rusher off the edge, whether it's a big body, whether it's a, a hole plugger on the interior, like there's a lot of options out there for them. So I think that that would make sense uh, relatively early on. And uh, I think, I mean, you can never go wrong upgrading the offensive line depth, maybe middle later rounds, but between Coulter Woodmancy and Jesse Gibbon and, um, you know, losing Sirocco obviously hurts a little bit, but they've done such a great job, I think, in the last three or four years of being able to to build that up that I just, I feel like it's such a consistently rebuilt, restocked group that they're going to be tinkering through the draft. They're not going to be looking for a day one starter, but I certainly think you're going to find somebody in the first round or two who could be a very early on rotational player for them. So it's, they're in a good spot. I think when you look at Canadian depth across a lot of rosters, talking to a variety of people, including we had a TSN conference call this morning and Farron Lodge was saying to us like Toronto and Hamilton probably have the best Canadian depth across the board in the league. When you look at it from top 20 players, kind of top to bottom. So um, they're in a good spot, as good a spot as anybody in the league going into tomorrow. Well, that's good news for Cats fans. Marshall Ferguson saying they're in a good spot, as good a spot as anybody heading into tomorrow night's draft. I want to thank you so much for checking us out on a very special edition of Cats today. We'll be back tomorrow, or I will be back tomorrow, alongside Andy Fantuz, Rob Hitchcock, and Courtney Steven for our 2022 CFL Draft Night Special. Make sure to subscribe, like, and get notifications so you can hear the show as soon as it is dropped tomorrow night. And stay tuned all week to the Cats Audio Network for exclusive draft week coverage you won't find anywhere else. Thanks so much for checking us out on the Cats Audio Network. I'm Louis B. Hoping you have a great day.